Baobulb.org is a podcasting platform and a medium for storytelling. This podcast is also available on all the major podcasting apps, including Apple and Google Podcasts. Podcast your life with Baobulb.org. So my name is Shireen Motara and I'm a um, women's coach, a certified coach, and I work only with women. And I also run my own consulting practice where I do various types of work around gender and development. So tell me a little bit about how you got into that particular um, field of work. Um, what kind of led you there? You know, just a little bit of your background. It's mm. another way of asking. So I, I studied law at university um, and I was at the University of the Western Cape. So and also I come from a family um, that was already very much involved in the anti-apartheid movement, uh, which is why I went to UWC. And um, at the university, I connected with a group of women um, and we, we called our group Kopanang and it was a women's group. And really the idea was about educating ourselves around women's rights um, and understanding, you know, how the world is not uh, ready for women or how the world doesn't just embrace women with open arms. So understanding the dynamics around that and how to engage with it. And then when I left university, you know, initially I did look at doing articles and so on, but I had a lot of conflicting emotions about um, representing, for example, an alleged rapist. Um, you know, it just didn't sit well with me to do that kind of thing. So I decided, I mean, well, my first job was in customer services, but after that I was just looking to work in the women's rights sector. And so my second job was in the women's rights sector, and I basically haven't looked back since. So even in my own business, you know, that's my focus. Okay. So that leads me to my next question. What are you most passionate about in your work? And, and, and what drives you, to motivates you to, to keep doing it? So, I mean, I say that I, I exist to make the world a better place for women, in a nutshell. That's what I... Um, you know, what I'm passionate about. So everything I do revolves around that, making the world better for women and girls. But coming from it from a perspective of understanding, you know, that even if women do a lot of development on themselves, educate themselves, you know, look for opportunities and so on, they still have to understand that there's a system that is holding them hostage or keeping them out. So they have to be able to understand that. So I try to bring both things together in my work. So even when I work with women in a coaching way, um, I very much try to work to get them to understand that they have to build their voice and agency so that they can challenge the system and the systemic discrimination wherever they are. Because unless we do that, um, you know, we will continue to struggle to, um, to reach the kind of levels we want to, to achieve the kind of goals that we want to. Then just some context, let's let's look at this, um, the world for women. How would you describe the world for women in 2021 in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic? What kind of challenges do women face in this world today? Yeah, I mean, having this conversation now in 2021 with COVID and so on, it's it's 
it's not a good thing. Um, so we are not in a good space. Uh, in fact, over the last two years, we've moved backwards as far as women's advancement is concerned. So COVID has, in a sense, put us back. Um, so the World Economic Forum and their most recent global gender gap report have indicated that it's now going to take us 136 years plus to it achieve gender equality, um, you know, and COVID has exacerbated that. And so the issues that we face uh, in general, we face issues around discrimination of women um, based on the fact that we are women, right? So we kind of, it's assumed that we need to have nurturing roles. We only, mm. We're only good enough to be mothers and to be cooking and so on. That has changed to some extent. So yes, some of us are um, getting education. In fact, if you look at education, and even in the South African context, there are more women than men in tertiary education um, or achieving graduate degrees. But then when you start looking at the workplace, um, women get stuck at a certain level in the workplace. So women get stuck, for example, at the professional level in the workplace, but they don't move up into the senior and top management levels of the workplace. Mm. Um, so even when we say, you know, we have transformed boards and so on, the challenge is that those boards are not driving a change narrative for women. So women continue to be affected by that. And the other thing that women are affected by is the gender pay gap. So on average, women earn 30% less than men in same or similar roles. Um, so that also is a big issue. And we have to understand that in the context of, for example, in South Africa, where 40, over 41% of households are headed by women only. So, which means that, you know, the majority of households almost are looked after by women. And um, if women are not earning enough, if they don't have meaningful jobs, if they don't have decent work, then it means they are unable to look after their families. And that's also in the context where we know we have extremely high levels of poverty, inequality, um, and unemployment for women as well. And in the South African context, we've seen that over the last two years with COVID as well. So those that are most affected by unemployment are young black women. They are the ones that, you know, are, the, are least able to access employment opportunities. And they are also the ones that are kind of stuck in the system. So we heard this week about teenage pregnancies, um, and then we start blaming young women for that. But essentially, we are not interrogating the system that is uh, leading to that. You know, how old are the men or the boys that have been having sex with these girls? Um, you know, what is happening in the family, in the community, in the society around these issues? Um, because we want to pretend that sex is taboo. And then when these things happen, then we want to blame girls. So, and from a COVID perspective, I mean, the other thing that we've also picked up is that um, in relation to, for example, the teenage pregnancy issue, but also GBV, we had significant lockdowns, you know, and in many of those cases, women, young women, girl children, boy children for that matter, were stuck in homes with abusers, were not able to go anywhere, were not able to do anything. And as a result, we saw that spike in gender-based violence as well. And then the unpaid care, up to three times more um, women's role in unpaid care is increased by up to three times more than what it usually is, and it already is a lot. And now we know with health issues, uh, with COVID issues, uh, in the beginning, men were primarily affected 
the most. Um, and so women often had to bear that caring role. And then the working from home scenario where employers did not recognize or understand that, you know, a working from home scenario is not just I'm moving my laptop to my home and then we all fine. I can sit and talk to you for eight hours. It's understanding that when we saying it's lockdown, it also means children have to stay home. Education has to be done at home. Um, we have to take care of the household. We have to feed people, etc., etc. So those are some of the things that are happening. And, uh, and essentially, we are in a space where globally and in South Africa, we are moving backwards as far as women's rights are concerned. Sure, that sounds so bleak. I mean, I know it's bleak. You know, that's nothing you told me just shocked me at all. But that sounds bleak. How do you how do you coach women to navigate that space? How do you kind of break that generational curse or that that system? Because it's been in place for 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 centuries. Um, how do you help women in that space? So, I mean, uh, it's not been totally doom and gloom because, you know, you and I can have this conversation because to some extent we have some agency in a, in being able to kind of control our lives, right? So it's not totally doom and gloom. It's just that we are moving backwards with, uh, we are regressing based on, you know, the the progress that we made from, you know, when we became a democratic country and in the early 2000s and so on. So women do have opportunities. For example, my coaching clients are generally women who have who are professionals. Um, they have fairly good roles. Um, they have fairly good uh, salaries, bearing in mind the gender pay gap. Um, but the, the problem is always how they have to navigate a system that is set up to keep them out. Um, and, you know, this is often the message that I have to tell, I have to convey to them, which is it's not just about you. And firstly, it's not you having to fix yourself. It's the system having to fix itself mm. uh, to open up the door for you. You are doing a lot. And we see that women go the extra mile on their education. I've seen, uh, I've had recently had a coaching client, she's got two master's degrees because she wants to move into a, a new area of work. So she decided she must do another master's degree just so that, but she has over 20 years of work experience. So, you know, we, we kind of try to think that we have to keep building ourselves, doing better, having more degrees, having more experience in order to achieve opportunities. But, we can do a lot of that, but the system is not opening up. So we have to work together to challenge the system. And which is why I say to every woman I come across that in any place where you are, you have to build, like one of the things we talk about is building voice and agency. Because yes, you have degrees and so on, but if you just keep quiet and you just allow things to happen, then it means you are also letting the system do what it does. Mm -hmm. So we have to start building voice and agency to start challenging that wherever we are. So how in the work place do we question policies around gender equality how do we question the structures that are supposed to be supporting us commission for gender equality commission for employment equity etc we need to be holding those people accountable but then also solidarity right so how do we support each other um, so instead of you know standing with our employer in the workplace because we we know what's you know what's best for us we should be supporting other women who are affected. Sorry. So, you know, for me, it's really about um, doing that and not being a bystander. Um, so, you know, really 
challenging the system in the ways that you possibly can and still be safe. Because, you know, that's also an issue. So that's what I try to do with my clients. It's time, it's, it's the ability to build their own resilience and agency, but also the ability to see the system for what it is and to think of how they can intervene in that system. Wow. Wow, that sounds amazing. When, when, when can you start working on me? <laughs> <laughs> well, so, I work with you and you work on yourself. <laughs> I know. Um, some, of your, some of your clients include uh, UN agencies. Um, just, just tell me about some of the work that you've done in the NGO space um, for the UN, for, for some of these big clients. Yeah, so in my consulting practice, I do a lot of work around gender in different ways. Um, so for the, I've done a lot with, of work, for example, with UN Women and the UN in South Africa. Um, so I don't know if you know about CEDAW, so the Convention on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women. It's been around for many years. We South Africa is a signatory. And, and every year we have to submit a report as a country on our progress. So um, last year, in the beginning of the year, I did the CEDAW report for UN, for all the UN agencies in South Africa. Um, and that really required assessing every aspect of women's lives and where we are at in relation to that convention. And then making um, recommendations on how to move forward. And the tra tragedy of that is... You know, that's where I also got a picture of how we are moving backwards and how things are stuck. Um, so that's part some of the work that I do. I do work for international um, governments who are located in South Africa. So, for example, example the, the German um, Development Corporation, GIZ. I do a lot of work on gender analysis for them on different programs. So they run a number of different programs with the South African government that looks um, at in addressing uh, poverty, addressing unemployment, and so on. So those would look at um, new energy, um, you know, new energy models, um, accessing biodiversity or leveraging biodiversity as a form of, um, you know, using our what we have, the resources we have to improve um, employment and job creation and so on. Um, and so within those, I would often look at what is the situation of women, how are women being affected, how are women uh, needing to be supported in that program, how are women in a sense missing from that, uh, and then making recommendations again for them in terms of how they uh, proceed with the program and make sure that they incorporate, you know, the understanding of what men and women's needs are in the system and then how to fix those or support those better. Um, I also last year did some research for UN Women around COVID and the impact of COVID on women. Um, and I've, I've supported UN Women on doing um, uh, workshops on um, women small businesses um, in relation to procurement. I most recently I published an article actually in the in the business day around this issue of preferential procurement because our government. Uh, well, our president most recently in, at the Generation Quality Forum, which is the global forum that uh, looks at gender equality, said that we will now, South African women will now be prioritized for 40% of procurement, you know, although that's something he said last year with the Women's Day, uh, but that we have not made real progress on that and, you know, that we, we very quick at throwing out statistics and commitments and so on, similarly to this year, but we're not moving forward. So 
I kind of bring my 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 experience as a woman. I kind of bring my experience in the women's rights sector, my experience working with women, and my technical expertise um, around gender to working with these different agencies. Many of them who are here to support the South African government and to help South Africa advance its goals. Awesome. Tell me, tell me a bit about your work on boards and with the African Leadership Academy and the Alan Gray Orbis Foundation. Okay, so uh, for the African Leadership Academy and the Ellen Gray Foundation, I see myself more as a youth mentor. Um, so my role in those with the African Leadership Academy, that would include, um, they have a very different model of education, right? So they're kind of a high school, but a very different kind of high school. Um, their emphasis is on leadership, building leadership and, and, and entrepreneurship. So they have um, all the students um um, organize themselves into little businesses and they have to kind of sell products or services and so then each um, each business needs to have a board so I for the last two years been sitting on some of those boards and the idea is really to support these young people to think about how to set up businesses to think about their market to think about operations finance but also their own role in kind of running a business um, so that's that's what we do with the African Leadership Academy, and it's really supporting young people to to um, to be leaders at a young age, and also to to embrace entrepreneurship. And then similarly with the Ellen Gray Orbis Foundation, I'm also a mentor. And there again, I don't know if you know, but the foundation is also really very much about supporting an entrepreneurial. Um, youth um, and and wanting to drive entrepreneurship as the answer to South Africa's problems. And so they support the, uh, students from primary school up to university, up to when they have businesses and so on, um, with funding and other support, mentoring and so on to kind of drive that goal. So I serve as a mentor uh, on the foundation and I currently mentor for example, a young man who's now going to do his master's in uh, artificial intelligence at uh, Cambridge University, but who's who's wanting to develop his um, emotional intelligence and relational skills. So that's the role I play as a youth mentor. I also in that role have uh, my own project, which is called Young Women Thrive. Um, we just started that project this year, which is um, working with eight young women um, from um, townships who, are, who have basically fallen through the system. So some of them have work experience, but some of them don't. And then they, they have children and so on. So it makes it very difficult for them, for example, to look for work, to get access to opportunities and so on. So we're working with them to build their leadership and then also to help them get access to mentors and access to um or access to economic opportunities. Um, and then on boards, I've served on boards for a long time in different roles, but um, I primarily see my role on the board as supporting organizations to be sustainable, um, to be sustainable from a point of leadership. So, you know, having good leadership and management practices, um, being sustainable from a financial point of view, um, having a good strategic kind of vision um, and programs, and then also uh, being accountable because, you know, often the organizations I sit on have get funding from external sources, so they also have to be accountable for that. So I'm the deputy chair of Save the Children South Africa, and I've received 
recently been appointed as the chairperson of the Kangnas Community Trust, which is a trust that is linked to a renewable energy uh, company and work that is happening in the Northern Cape. What would you say is a solution to the the, the situation facing women, um, the system, the systemic issues that that bar women from being able to access fair salaries and jobs in a, in a fair space, and not having to to you know sacrifice an arm and a leg? Um, what would you say is the solution to undo that system? Well. I think, you know, the primary problem is what we call the patriarchal nature of our societies. And, you know, what that means really is that the way in which women are seen in the world or in a society or in a community. So we're not necessarily recognized as equals to men, for example. And therefore, there's a lot of stereotypes about who we should be and what we should be doing. And unless we challenge that, because that infiltrates every other space. Right, so that infiltrates then the workplace, it infiltrates government, for example, in the way it responds. So if you look at how government respond to the issue of teenage pregnancy, very, very problematic. Because there are assumptions about what women's roles should be in society and how they should behave. And unless we turn that around, you know, nothing else is going to change. So we have to open up to this idea of women being equal citizens, of women having the same rights and responsibilities as men, as of women being able to do anything they want to do, um, and of moving away from this idea and also those cultural and religious thinking that, you know, men have a certain role and women have a certain role. Unless we shift that mindset uh, and that way of thinking, you know, everything else will continue to be a problem. So how do you do that as an individual? Um having agency like as you mentioned both of us do have agency what what can i do in practical terms to to make that a reality besides believing it and perpetuating it as far as possible so i think you have to engage with it in every space that you occupy so for example if you somebody who's religious and you go to church a lot often we find that the way in which the preachers or pastors or whoever they are talk about the role of women is very problematic and nobody challenges that. So we have to start engaging with those kinds of things because then, for example, the church has a lot of influence in the society, in the community, and therefore it allows for others to then take that on. So we have to be engaging with that. So even, for example, within the church structures. So, you know, are women represented as deacons, for example? I know that continues to be a problem in some areas. Um, when we have youth groups and so on, are we engaging with that, those kinds of topics? So how do we start engaging with our young people? In the Sunday school, for example, are we engaging with that as an issue? So, you know, um, I think that in every structure or community um, group or whatever where we are, we need to be challenging. I do that with my clients a lot. Um, you know, I question things and I make proposals that I think are practical but can push the boundary. Because I think that unless we do that, you know, if even if I'm a consultant and my client says, I want you to do this, and I find that that is a bit problematic, then I will engage with that. Obviously, you know, it takes time for you to get to that point where you can do that. But there are ways and means in which you can do that in every space. If you have kids in a school and you find that that kind of behavior happens, you know, where mm. 
the way the teachers engage with girls and boys is problematic, then, you know, as parents, we have to be questioning those things. Um, we've seen the same issues um, arise, for example, in our school system around race. Um, because, you know, unless we, we keep accepting the status quo, these things are going to explode later or they are going to continue to be a problem for our society. So I think that in every space where we are, we must try and be able to engage with that. And that's why I also say solidarity is important because, you know, often... Sorry? Oh, sorry, can you hear me? I can still hear you, sorry. Okay, something just happened with my Zoom here. Sorry, oh, sorry about okay. that. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> you were saying often? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think that just often we kind of just accept the status quo and we say, well, I don't have power to do anything here. But, you know, if we work together, if we are, if we operate in solidarity, if we as women parents, for example, come together and even bring men on as allies, then we can shift and change the system. But we have to be questioning and we have to be understanding, you know, when things are problematic and we, we shouldn't just um, accept it because, yes, we grew up and we accepted a lot of things. But now young people are refusing to accept, you know, that this is just, a, you know, the status. We should just we, we need to be supporting that uh, interrogation of everything in a sense um, and questioning why, you know, things were done in the way they were, but also how for or change in, in some of those areas. Okay, those those were all the questions I had for you. I don't know if there's anything that you want to add on, perhaps that I didn't touch on with my questions. This is no, your space really. to talk about. You're good. All right. Thank you for listening to this Spudcaster podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.